My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds I keep covering up the sun. This episode of the Just a Mom podcast is the second in a two-part series with Wesley Hamilton. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, go back and listen to it before you start this one. Thanks again for listening to the Just a Mom podcast. Now here's the rest of my conversation with Wesley. So, of course, I'm depressed. I'm dealing with all this, but now I'm on bed rest. So now I'm either going to focus on taking my life or I got to focus on getting better. And obviously taking my life as the times that I tried never worked. So I wasn't just going to keep trying. Mm. I had hope. So the doctors told me to add more protein to my diet. And that was foreign language to me. I didn't know what protein was. I mean, I grew up and I joke about it now, but a double quarter pounder with cheese was what was protein to me, yeah. you know? And um, they started giving me supplement drinks. The supplement drinks were things like Insure. Mm-hmm. But my grandmother drank Insure. And mind you, I'm still, at this time, I'm like in my early 20s. I'm like, I'm not trying to do this. I'm not old. (laughs) Exactly. Now, I would drink it all day now because I know the benefits. Um, But because of that, I became eager to learn. Again, I had always been a smart individual. I was just defined by my circumstances. So I went to Johnson County Community College, and I took up a dietitian course. And so for the three hours I could get out, I drove from Raytown all the way over to um, Johnson County. I did some on-campus classes, and I did a lot of online. Mm -hmm. I only did like an hour on campus, but my goal was to start to see life differently. Mm -hmm. Look, uh, you know, just be able to see things differently. And it really, really helped. And when I opened a book on nutrition, I mean, I was, I mean, I I think I was just so mind blown of the value of food. Mm. You know, you come from communities that they reference as food deserts, and I literally was living in that. So to be able to open a book that shares knowledge on food and drinks that you've consumed every day of your life and be able to know that those were bad choices. But no one before you ever told you they were bad choices, mm-hmm. right? Wow. And um, I started to apply the things I was learning to my daily diet and, and regimen. And um, by my third year, January 2015, um, I got in the hospital bed. I was getting ready for uh, my final surgery. I went through a lot of surgeries during this bed rest time. Um, and I'm practicing eating better and doing all these things. I'm off my medicine now. Um, it's crazy, but I will reference that what made me get off of medicine and start this holistic and food approach was that I ended up reading the side effects that was going on with the medicines that I was taking. And majority of them had suicidal thoughts. Mm. And um, I had a friend that told me to look at that 
when I kept having the thoughts I was having. And but they didn't tell me to eat better. So just so that you know, it wasn't like yeah. a, a better thing. It was just like, hey, you should read those. And anyway, I got on the hospital bed and uh, they weighed me and I was 135 pounds. What? From you said 250? <laughs> From 250. Wow. This is like huge... a course over maybe about nine to, to 12 months. Wow. That's a person. It's a person, right? <laughs> and thanks for telling me I was two people. Dang, no, but that's amazing. And that and, you did um, it by cleaning up your diet? I, I literally just cleaned my diet up. I was on bed rest, so I couldn't yeah. get out. I, I wasn't active. Yeah. I was I just water, mm. water. I tell people all the time, I was able to visualize the amount of sugar that was in the daily Dr. Pepper I drank. And... I think that was the biggest thing was that I'm feeding myself this, this, these things that are not making me one active, feel good. And it's creating all this weight that I'm not happy about. Mm. Um, but to know that I had lost that weight after I had already accepted, I was big bonded. Mm. I had a level of confidence that I didn't, that rather I had the use of my legs or not, I was always going to love the person that I was becoming. Mm. Was and it was that pivot for me that literally did it, was knowing that I had did something I could never do walking. Mm. So that was the big changing moment in your mindset and in your life looking forward. That was it. Wow. And food, food got me there. That's amazing. So you had your last surgery at 135 pounds. Yep. And after your last surgery, what did you start doing after that? Well, you know, I had this whole new mindset. I was proud. I was confident. But I had six weeks left to heal in this hospital uh. bed. Um, and it was a bed made out of sand. I couldn't get up. I had to deal with the bed baths and everything, but I was so mentally strong. Mm. Like I had, I had released myself from any, any barriers, mm. like anything that was holding me down, rather it was before or after, like I felt free. Wow. And because of that, I wanted to serve. I knew there was a community of people that had the mindset I had coming into this disability mm. like if if it, if they didn't then wouldn't the, the the community be more empowering and powerful and people be knowledgeable or at least that's how i feel and so i don't know what was in me to think of what well, don't take this this joy and this pride and keep it to yourself but create something mm. and i started to create disabled but not really and by april before i was released from the hospital i had already created the entity this the disabled but not really foundation wow that is and, yeah well talk to <laughs> us a little bit about because i've read about it obviously and it's been around for many years now yeah talk to us about what the disabled but not really foundation does yeah absolutely um well, now uh, we have just opened up our very first wellness center. Um, we uh, host a, 
a cohort out of there um, two times a year. Um, it's 12 weeks long and it is for people with physical disabilities. Um, and the goal is, of course, our mission changes and I, we have programs. I, anyway, the goal is, is to help individuals with disabilities create a new identity. Um, and, or at least fit back into theirs. Um, and we do that just through uh, our program. Our program's called the Help Me Fit Challenge. They get one-on-one -on -one training with a um, licensed trainer, nutritional um, information along with seminars, um, mental health and gratitude check-ins. Um, oh, group sessions i mean it's a it's a beautiful thing um the identity piece is what i'm the most proud of our pillars is courage confidence and competence so once the individuals graduate from the fitness part of the program they go into the identity piece where we do a professional photo shoot with them um, we collaborate with local um, brands and get them in some nice threads um, we are literally helping individuals that have acquired a disability find their way back into society. Mm -hmm. And the goal with that is to help you be able to see yourself the way you want people to see you. And for me, because I know through my own journey, um, it's just important to be able to have that experience without the pressure. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so we do the professional photo shoot. They do a video interview about sharing their story the way they would like it to be told. Um, and then we kind of do some group events. And that's, you know, that's kind of where we are now. Um, because we just opened our, our wellness center this year, we will be doing open gym for the individuals that's graduated from our program so they can have somewhere that they can continue. So, yeah. That's incredible. And you became after you lost the weight and got out of the hospital, I, you became a CrossFit guy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, so you're pretty so strong. Like, I've seen some videos and pictures <laughs> of what you can do. It's impressive. No, and, and I mean, that was kind of the thing to guide me into how I developed disabled, but not really. Because, mm -hmm. of course, getting out the hospital bed, I really didn't know how to do a nonprofit. I had sure. to learn. Um, but I also wasn't in the gym, so how can we focus on something if I didn't find value in it? Mm -hmm. um, I got my first gym membership September 2015, um, so a couple of months after I got out of the hospital. And um, by the next year, I was an award-winning bodybuilder and crossfitter. Um, wow. the, the, the beauty in being a part of that community was being able to see people with disabilities different than mine, but seeing how we all have the same mentality to push ourselves mm. past those limits. Mm. And that made me be able to come back to disabled, but not really, and say, hey, we can't just serve people with spinal cord injury. We gotta serve people with all physical disabilities. We gotta serve people that are willing to, one, serve themselves, but want to become better no matter their ability. Mm. If you wanna come in with that mindset, we got you. Wow. And, and that was because I was empowered by individuals with visible and non-visible disabilities. And it was, it was something that, is always gonna be dear to my heart. And I took that back um, and was able to start to create the program and things that we do through Disabled But Not Really Now. 
And I'm guessing there were some challenges in your first gym where you were a member. Was it set up for someone who's in a wheelchair or did you have to make your own accommodations and figure out how to, you know, get around and, and work with the equipment? Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. My first gym membership was at 24 hour fitness. Um, so it wasn't inclusive at all. Not, and still not, they not really changed much. They did remodel, but still didn't do much anyway. Um, but it was the lack of awareness of people with disabled bodies, being able to go in and, and be fit. Um, and the lack of training. So awareness and training made it very debilitating along with the equipment. Hmm. Um, so I didn't find myself welcomed in those spaces. I kind of just owned the space because remember I got confidence now. Right. I haven't lost this weight yeah. and I'm in this wheelchair. Like I'm just, there's no way you could tell me that I can't do what you do. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is my confidence. Awesome. And so that, I think that served me uh, well in those spaces. It wasn't until I found out about CrossFit because it was bodybuilding before CrossFit. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I found out about CrossFit and, and, going to a CrossFit gym or a CrossFit box um, and seeing the functional ways of their training. So even though they had equipment, a lot of it was body movement. So I got more in tune with my actual abilities, which helped me with more lifestyle skills. And that is kind of what really opened my eyes into fitness. Mm -hmm. It didn't have to be machines all the time. Right, like if if they CrossFit taught me, if you doing bad on one day with one arm, hell, you got that other one. Go ahead and push it, yeah. right? Bodybuilding, like we need both. You got to do both. They got to both look the same, right? And it helped me work with what I got. That's great. And so that's what I. So that's what I. That's the way that I would reference the difference. But there were definitely barriers. There's still barriers. Transportation parking you know the inside of a box can be great but is the parking good yeah. you know so i definitely still faced a lot of things even trying to get inside mm -hmm. you know snow days mm. most people don't think about because everyone's walking inside especially at gym yeah. so wow so you made your facility i'm sure it's accessible <laughs> it's works for anybody with any type of of challenge or disability yeah absolutely um the goal was you know the person first and when you think about that you think about all the individuals that are living life in society today um and how do you serve all bodies yes you know you can have machines and things but are the benches adjustable or they're wide you know we make sure that we accompany everybody but that's because i went and kind of put myself out there to know what's out yes. there so we have adaptive equipment we got jump ropes for people that have limb difference so if you have one arm there's a jump rope for you to utilize mm. but we don't we didn't get it with a one arm or limb difference athlete right like we didn't get it with that person and and thinking that they're there for us to serve them we got it so that people can know they're served whenever they want to mm. come you know, and so any adaptive equipment that's been pushed out into the market, we've we've gotten. Um, 
you know, I had to widen the doors in the space because I needed to make sure that everyone could fit in. Everything in the bathroom is automatic, just just in case someone has a challenge. Um, even we have the wave button. That's my biggest like joy. It's like the instead of like the push button, you just wave at it, and just seeing people roll up and they wave and it works mm -hmm. and they get excited when they come in. I'm like, it's the little things mm -hmm. and. So that's the excitement yeah. because they already know what they can do within the space. But some, like I shared, yeah. it's always getting inside. Yeah. Maybe the doors are too heavy. Maybe I got a drink on me now and spilt it. And, yeah. you know, yeah. The things that so, we don't think of, those of us who are not living with, you know, these challenges, we don't think about that. And so what an amazing space and opportunity that you have created for people to not have to worry about the little things so that they can go in and do the big things. Absolutely, let us think about the little things. I'm gonna knock that out. And because I have the experience, yeah. what won't work for me isn't going to work for you. Mm. So why would I deal with it if I know it's not serving you and can't serve nobody that's else? That's right, like, no. doesn't make sense, but that's amazing that you, I, I'm just, Wesley, I'm so proud of you for using, you know, what so many of us would look at as, you know, a disability. And what you have done is you have taken your challenge and you've faced it straight on and you've said, okay, this is, this is it and I'm going to tackle it. And not only am I going to tackle it, I'm going to get better and I'm, then I'm going to help other people get better. <laughs> yeah no it's, it's it's a lot of what i do is rooted in the love i have for myself mm -hmm. and the ability to face challenges in a way that not become frustrated from them but see them as a a, a obstacle right my life isn't supposed to be perfect because life isn't. That's right. So what I consider as normal now is definitely different. Mm -hmm. What I consider as acceptance for myself is more inner than what I pay attention to on the outside. And I think with these lived experiences and my ability to see even obstacles as times of learning, mm -hmm. it only allowed me to... to elevate who I am as a person, as a father, but also be able to impact people genuinely and impact them from an empathetic standpoint because building the life I have now wasn't a perfect journey or nor was I a perfect person. Mm -hmm. Well, none of us are. <laughs> and yeah, right. No person, I don't think, has had a perfect journey. So I, I, think, <laughs> I think that's really well said. Um, let's transition a, a little bit and talk about yeah. your um, your becoming a TV star. Uh, so absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, that I watched that episode, um, I, and I will admit it's the first time I've ever watched the show. So for those of you who don't know, Wesley was featured on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that and how that came about. 
Um, you know, getting featured on Queer Eye was something different. It just kind of came through my email one day. I didn't think it was real as I think about everything in life these days. I'm like, oh, this is not real. You know, I come from this so small, narrow mind that even seeing opportunities are just like, <laughs> and so that's definitely how I just pushed it off and it became a real thing. Um, and I don't know, I was at that time of life, I had already went through some healing. Um, I went through a level of accountability. I started to take accountability for my actions the day I was shot, you know, which allowed me um, to not become so much of a victim anymore. And uh, so I was just at a place where I was, I was ready. I was ready for the next thing. Um, this was around 2018, so three years after I got out the hospital and everything. So I've learned so much about myself and about life. Um, and if people know about the show and if you don't, they just come in, they help you with a couple different aspects in your life. And I was ready for that help, mm. you know, and so I, I was very open to it. And yeah, it just, again, just came out of nowhere and made one of the hugest impacts mm. in my life to this day. The thing that strikes me about having watched that episode with you in it and then being here with you today is you are the same person that was on the show and oh, yeah. yeah i mean you're <laughs> there was nothing fake about what how you represented yourself on the show you like have a this most infectious <laughs> smile you're so encouraging and positive and wanting to make a difference and impact people and and that was so clear on the show and it's so clear to me now so I, I just think that's really cool because, you know, not having ever been on a TV show, I have no idea. Like, what's that like? Do you, is it just all fake? But it, what I can say, no, this looks like it was the real deal. No, it was very real. They approached me in a way that was more like we got to We got to keep it real, Wes. Mm. You know, you got to don't make it feel scripted because it's not. Yeah. You know, and, and that was definitely what was pushed mm -hmm. off and projected. And I think that's what how it came off on the screen. It, you definitely did. Very, very authentic. Um, do you stay in touch with those guys? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely good friends with several of them. And, um, you know, we've continued to do opportunities together. We've continued to um, work and try to find ways of impacting communities, get my story out more, which I appreciate. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot of communication still going through the lines. In the show, both your mom and your daughter were a big part of that as well. And your mom seems like an amazing woman. She is, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And a big part of, of your you know, recovery and, and healing. Oh yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's the mother's love, I feel like was what I was trying to be able to show my, my daughter. Um, you know, like I said, like being, growing up, you watch the strength of your parents and I definitely watched my mom's and I think she was trying to help me just through the process, figure out what, you know, find my strength back. Um, and to, to this day, she's still there, so. 
How is your daughter doing now? Uh, my daughter's great. I actually uh, took her swimming this morning. So we were out at the swimming pool this morning and um, she's 13 mm. now. So she's definitely a different person trying to figure out who she is as a person. So I'm just trying to accept it as a person. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, the world is different now. So I'm like, oh, you know what, whatever you want to do with life, I'm just going to support that. How about that? Just how we going to do it, you know? So. Um, but it's, it's, it's fun, it's good, we learn together, we grow together. Good. What would you tell the listeners one piece of advice through your journey that you have learned that is really important to share? Um... One piece that I would share is to know yourself. Once you take time and do the inner work to know who you want to be in this world, in this reality, then everything around you becomes what you vision. That's what I would want people to know. Because if you look at my life now and you listen to the story, you will understand the struggle and the journey of learning who I was. And now I'm looking at the life that I live. It's just the reality of what I created. Um, none, of the, none of this would exist if I didn't know myself mm. and know who I wanted to be. Mm. And yours is such a hopeful story. And that's something that I wanna do on the Just A Mom podcast is share stories of hope so that people can listen and identify and say, you know what, if Wesley Hamilton can do that, then maybe I can too. No, absolutely. I think that's what we have. We have hope, we have faith, yeah. we have faith within ourselves. Um, to, to be who we want to be, to love yourself unconditionally. Yeah. I read some of the things that you wrote in May um, on your LinkedIn about mental health. Would you want to talk about some of that a little bit? Um, a lot of it, a lot of anything, a lot of things that I'm speaking about when it comes to mental health now is, um, as I become aware of mental health and the things that underline what that looks like as an issue, as a disorder, not only am I realizing that I've dealt with a lot of things, I'm understanding that it's been a cultural issue for people that I've been brought up in for a long time, whether it's PTSD, anxiety, depression, um, and as I shared earlier, for me to not, you know, have that reference even after, after dealing with something as traumatic as I did, it shows the lack of awareness for mental health within the black community, but also the lack of help of trying to bring that awareness there. Um, and, you know, just my journey of trying to 
heal myself and become aware of myself made me realize how much of these triggers that I was facing and I couldn't put words to them. Like I didn't know the true meaning of PTSD. Um, I was actually watching a TV show, it's crazy. I was watching a TV show and it was about a police officer that got shot. And um, and I think the next following episodes were like them going to therapy and them talking about symptoms and some of it could have been, you know, fake, but it, it just, it was so much of what I could relate to when they defined it as PTSD and I'm like, what? Mm. Right, like even like certain isolation and like I always thought like it was a problem when I get isolated, but then it's like my platform put me in a position where my successes started to to oversee my struggle. And my struggle is what created the success, but you know, it was more or less like I would go into rooms and people would say things like, oh man, I, you know, I forgot you was in a wheelchair, Wes. I'm like, you should never forget I'm in a wheelchair. I don't care how much I normalize you being around me. You should never forget that I have this that I live with because it's a part of me. But when you always are putting someone out and their message becomes more than their image, which is one good, but to be able to see the image is be able to see yourself and see everything else. And so again, like all of these things was what I was realizing was really like th through the success and through everything, I was still dealing with things mentally that I just couldn't put words to. Mm. And when I did, um, I just have become more of an advocate, grief. Mm -hmm. I lost my grandmother. Um, and a week later, my agent for three years took her life. Mm. And this was at the end of 2022. Uh, I'm so sorry. And, um, but because I was so booked and busy, no one opened up a way for me to have space. Mm. Um, so I went all last year grieving. And I went all last year working. So I never had time to grieve. Um, and that was kind of one of the reasons why I came out to LA uh, was because I just wanted space. I wanted to breathe. Mm -hmm. um, and that was also my awareness that I, I'm dealing with things mentally. And if I don't take care of these things, then it's gonna create larger problems. And um, yeah, so I've, uh, yeah, I definitely, and I feel like when you're dealing with some mental health issues, you're healing every day. It's never um, an end to it in a sense. It's always a journey and you gotta find ways of helping you practice, you know, and um, find a routine. So again, like food always helps me mentally. I know when I eat bad food, I, I'm having bad thoughts, which is crazy. Um, but affirmations and early morning gratitude, working out daily, um, eating the right foods or things that I kind of help journaling mm -hmm. um, and then talking to someone don't I don't ever want to take that away and having someone to vent mm -hmm. to those are two different people mm -hmm. um, <laughs> my mom is my vent person she's not gonna question what I vent she just tell me she love me and hang up you know sometimes um, and then I have someone I can confide and actually talk to that can help me throughout my t my my thoughts and 
Um, that is kind of the message that I'm starting to push out more when it comes to my platform is because I don't have it all together. Having a spinal cord injury, definitely you deal with things mentally. Accessibility and daily societal barriers can really drive you crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and being able to be more transparent and vocal about that because there are people that's not as strong as I am mentally that are dealing with these things on top of the mental health issues. And so I want to be more vocal to help people find ways to start to go on a healing journey and understand that it's a daily journey. I love the things that you listed that are your self-care you know, <laughs> things I, because I think that's a really important thing for all of us to have is are, are the what are the things that i need to to help feel strong or at least strong enough for today mentally and those self-care things that you listed are all really great examples of that you also wrote um, something about the lack of services or or opportunity to receive mental health services in poor and marginalized communities Yes, absolutely. I mean, it just goes back to the lack of references at hospital systems. Um. Yeah, that was shocking <laughs> to me, honestly, when you said that no one even mentioned like any mental health services to you after you had your spinal cord injury. It's what? That is a life changing thing. And that was not just part of, of your hospital stay. That's completely shocking to me. No. And I wonder, you know, does it have something in regards to, you know, the little questionnaire that's sent out, you know, that everyone gets when you go to the hospital and it says, check this box and check that box. Right. But I don't know how many people truly tell the truth on it. Sometimes when I'm in a hospital, I don't even fill them out no more because I get it every time I go yeah. um, to be able to face a person and them to say, how are you? But how are you really? Right, like to get that human connection where you are now able to be transparent and say, man, life has been hard, right? You, you, that is not the approach that you receive. It's more as looking at the physical problem as something you've resolved when most people should understand it's not the physical issue that you're fixing. Mm -hmm. If you fix a person's mind as well as yours, then the society changes, right? I don't need to walk for society to accept me, mm -hmm. right? Like, and so when I go into the hospital, they're like, oh yeah, we should check this and check this. If you help me mentally be confident with where I am today by overcoming some of the things, understanding what I'm facing, I could probably live life no matter my circumstance, right? It's like a kid. A kid that's crawling on their way to walk, they don't know that they're going to walk yet. They don't probably even know if they're going to walk at the beginning stages. They're just crawling with joy because they have confidence within that, right? I feel like when I look at my journey, the moment I had confidence, I didn't care if I walked, rode, climbed a rope, right? Like I didn't, no matter what I did, I was living. Mm. And when you help people understand how valuable life itself is and what you can create with the mindset, then then it helps. It helps the healing. It helps everything around you, right? And so that's that's definitely like 
I would say, fortunately, like that's just my way of thinking and a, the way that I see it now. But absolutely. Well, thanks for thank you for sharing that. Is there anything that I have not asked you that you would like to talk about? Um. I mean, honestly, I feel like we covered, you know, the bases. I appreciate you kind of going backwards um, and, um, you know, shedding light on just the, the upbringing along with what's happened. A lot of people don't want to go to the, to the upbringing part, you know, but you need to know who I used to be to know who I am today. And I, I believe that so wholeheartedly, so I appreciate that. Well, I think that that's we miss part of the story if we don't go to the beginning, right? I mean, for any person. My story didn't start when I turned 21. My story started, you know, as a child. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm thankful to you for being willing to share all about your your life and the challenges that you have faced, the way that you have dealt with those challenges head on and what an amazing life you have and how you are helping so many people through disabled, but not really you're speaking all the things that you're doing to influence people. Thank you, Wesley. Oh, I really appreciate that. Um, I truly appreciate the platform and so thank you so much i will put in the show notes um a, a link to disabled but not really so that listeners can check it out if they are interested in helping to support or get involved with your organization they can do that and um yeah i just am again very appreciative of you for taking the time to talk to me and share your story with the just a mom podcast listeners and Wesley Hamilton, you're an inspiration. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on this episode of the Just a Mom podcast. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.